worship. We praise you, you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. kids and they're super holy and then there's the leaders who pray a lot and they're super holy and 
we kind of shut down when we have an issue because we, uh, we don't want to look um, different. We don't want to look like we have uh, any problems. And so that's the, the, the thought behind going through this series. So we have a few things to, to lighten it up. But I want you guys to think about something in your life that nobody else knows. In a secret that you have, and maybe you're sitting there and you're like, man, I got it. But this thing plagues you, and you know what I'm talking about. Other of you, like me, but think for a while, and you're like, what is my secret? And so after a while, I've been thinking about the past two days. I came up with kind of a list of secrets I had in, in, in high school, and, and, and some of them still now. So some are pretty funny, some are not so funny, some are pretty serious. But I want to kind of go over some with you. So personally... Um, I pick my nose a lot. And so I'm on this picking my nose craze, and it's real bad because I don't use like my pinky or my pointer as my, you know, like my tool of choice. I go straight for the thumb, and I've been noticing that. So if you ever walk by my office, I'm usually full on thumb trying to clean out. I just, I don't like boogers, and I, I'll use my fingers. So I know you're thinking, wow, that's kind of gross. I wasn't, uh, that was, uh, what's, what, are, what are these, wait, what? If you weren't paying attention, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, what just happened? We took a turn. So, you know, picking, picking the nose is in there. Um, this is a kind of a cool story that I haven't told. Cool. I don't actually, it's not cool. But uh, there's no such thing as cool. But uh, back back in high school, me and my buddies, uh, we, I was a pretty good kid. I didn't get in a whole lot of trouble. But this particular night, we were a little bored, so we figured, let's go go to Fraser High School. It's their, their prom. And let's shoot water balloons at uh, the, the girls in the dresses. It would be funny. And uh, I feel really bad because obviously this, this girl walked out and she was by herself. So this means she's having a horrible night. When you're by yourself, I promise, not good. And, and she's probably thinking, man, my night is not going well. And then, wow, God, do you hate me? There are water balloons raining down from the sky and, and, and hitting me. And so that wasn't really the, the point of the night. But, so we left and I had a water balloon left. And you can't just waste a water balloon, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't just drive it home, have a water balloon, and just, like, you know, can't just pop it there. I do something with it. And so I thought it'd be funny to throw it at a, at a car as we drove home. Didn't that, like, I'm never going to hit it, but i got to throw it at something. You have to do something with a water balloon. Long story short, uh, short that, that car wasn't too happy. I ended up hitting the windshield, followed us. Fifteen minutes later, I'm in the back of a police cruiser. No joke. And I, I'm 17, I'm 16, I'm thinking to myself, like, Oh, this is not good. If my parents find out that I'm in the back of a police cruiser, is that is that 14 in uh, Garfield, right by that, that state bank there? We're in, we're in there. My, my three buddies are, are out there. I threw the balloon. So I'm the, and, and this guy is going nuts. He's, he's talking about bringing me down to the station and, and uh, booking me. And I was, I was pretty scared. Uh, I was pretty sure that he was only trying to scare me, but I didn't know. And if I was, I mean, if my parents were going to call, I would have been... Uh, it would have been good. My, if you guys know my dad, my dad's name is Carl, he would have, uh, you know, Aaron's like, yeah, he would have. Uh, it, wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been good. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, have, been, wouldn't have been good at all. So that's one story that I've told uh, my mom uh, or my dad, but uh, I, I think I get away with it now, but I haven't told them. It's kind of one of my secrets. Um, this one's cool. I, uh, in, in high school, how many people have ever had a retainer? Okay. Uh, do kids have retainers nowadays? I just don't feel like I don't see braces often, but everyone had braces when I was in high school. But 
they're expensive, and how many people have ever lost a retainer? You know, you take it out, and then you throw it away in your napkin. It's kind of a typical story. Well, I did that, and I, I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell, how many times? You did? Okay, so, but did you ever, did you ever, you broke it, what did you do? Did you tell your parents to get a new one? Did you tell, okay, about a month later, well, I couldn't tell Carlo, uh, or, well, I, I told my mom the first time she bought me a new one. About a week later, I lost that again. So I didn't tell my parents. I kept that a secret. They were going to kill me. I went and made an appointment with my orthodontist, and I said, look, I need a new retainer, and I'm going to pay for it. You cannot tell my parents. And so I drove up, I paid for my own retainer, and to this day, I never tell my parents that I lost another retainer. It's just one of those secrets that I didn't want them to know, because I've been in big trouble. Uh, a couple more. How many people have ever picked a booger and then been like, well, what do I do with it? Okay, well, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, it, it might happen. And I remember this question being asked to me. It was in, I was on a U trip in the same band that you guys ride in. And I remember there was a, a, a guy, his name was Kyle Henley, and some of you older people might know him. And he goes, we're asking questions like, dude, you know, you ever picked a booger and put it under the seat? I'm like, no. I would never do that. Absolutely not. And I was serious. I'm like, Are you, this guy's gross. The very next day, we're in the van, and I just kind of did one of these, and this gargantuan booger's on my finger. I'm like, well, I can A, eat it, B, put it back from where it came from, and none of those options were good, so I don't want to see it. I put that thing under the chair. What else are you going to do with the boogers? It's probably still there. It was huge. All right? Two more, two more. Uh, one of the, this is probably the worst thing I did in high school, and I don't recommend it. I'm not proud of this. This doesn't sound very funny, but it's a secret. When I when I was in high school, this is probably the worst thing I did. Um, you know, I would, I would go out to a movie with my buddies, and they always wanted to see something that was rated R or something that probably wasn't um, very glorifying to God. And so I know if I, you know, my parents were pretty involved in my life. If I, I think if I told them a movie. I was saying it would be too happy. So I would, I would typically lie about what movie I would see. I would say, you know, I'm going to see Finding Nemo. And, and I would go to the movie reviews and I'd read the plot so that when they asked me how was it, I would tell them, like, you know, okay, now you guys are like, that's a pretty good idea. So don't do that. Don't, don't, uh, it's not a good idea. Um, and so that was kind of the secrets that I held for my parents. Uh, we'd go off to see whatever. Um, and one last one. This one's going to get weird. And this one's going to get gross. Ju I, I was telling Julie about what I wanted to talk about tonight. And I said, I got some secrets. I'm going to share them. This one's actually kind of your fault. But I don't want to tell you what it is because it's gross. And I'm kind of ashamed of it. But it kind of goes along with the point of tonight. Uh, so Julie doesn't like it when there are drips on the toilet seat. And so, when, so, so that's not the gross part. But in my laziness, I went to leave and noticed a drip. And there's no toilet paper and there are no tissues. But I don't want to tick my wife off. So I just kind of went, whoop, wiped it with my sock and went. And I, I remember leaving and being like, that's pretty gross. In the privacy of my home, I didn't have to tell you guys that. But, but the point is, you know, if we're gonna, if this series, if this what's your secret is gonna get anywhere, she's embarrassed. She's like, wow. And then some of the parents are like, you're 
John's Garden, now we got this guy, we got P-Wiper, really? That's what we got? And so uh, the point is that uh, I just want to be open and honest. I, I'm, I can say that because I'm pretty confident that even as gross as that is, I bet you if we all were honest with each other, there's pretty gross stories out there. And, and a, a, a lack of misjudgment, we've done something that's pretty disgusting or pretty, uh, pretty shameful. Okay, so those are some of my secrets. I'm going to get into my story and my testimony a little bit uh, later tonight, and that's a little bit more serious than Boogers and Pete. Um, but I wanted to kind of start off a little, little break in the ice, because even as I began to talk about this theory, you guys were just dead, dead quiet. So um, as we get into it, um, it's going to be serious, and if, it's gonna, if we're going to make it anywhere in the series, we have to be... Um, honest with yourselves, and I figured if I expected you guys to open up as a youth group and to gain your trust, I would have to do that uh, as a leadership position. So, um, you know, there we go. There's some of my worst moments as a human being. Um, you know, the truth is that you guys are really at uh, a pivotal age when it comes to creating and keeping secrets. You guys are really at a, a breeding ground for keeping secrets. If you think about um, the pressure's on you to, to act a certain way from your parents and to um, you know, even look away a certain way before your youth pastor um, and some of the adults that you are accountable to. If you, if you think about the way high school is set up and how it's all about being accepted and cool and popular and you, you want to look good, your age group is really um, a factory for manufacturing secrets. It's a it's, it's perfect combination of circumstances that are going to cause you to want to conceal things and look like you, you have it all together. Okay? And um, as we go into the series, I, I, I just want to let you guys know that as I was confident that I could share those things, because I'm sure, even though you're not saying them, I'm sure there's other gross things that have happened. Um, and I want you guys to realize that everyone in this room has secrets. There's no one that's isolated. There's no one that's holier than, than, than everyone else. There's probably, um, in some way or another, things that we have all kind of held to ourselves and, and just kind of dealt with on our own. So... As, as we get into some of the, you know, I was talking about, you know, teenagers and some of the things you guys face, I want to uh, list some of the things that go off in this book uh, when dealing with secrets. These are a little bit more serious. Things like, I hate my dad. Yeah, that's not funny. Um, you know, I drink with my friends. I steal to get what I want. I'm terrified of failure. I can't stop hurting myself. I lie all the time so I can fit in. I put down others so I can feel better. I'm addicted to porn. Um, I haven't read my Bible in over a year. You know, I'm sexually active. Um, you know, I come to church and I act like I'm a Christian, but when it comes down to it, I don't even pick up my Bible or, or, or pray once during the week. And so these are the kind of things that are a little bit sobering as we look at so we look at your generation and the things that are going on. But as I said earlier, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, these are the things we have to, to deal with. We have to expose. And so 
We're going to look at a couple stories uh, in Scripture to kind of help us out. First one, you know, as we kind of look at all these different things I read, and, and, and we ask, you know, why do we keep all of this stuff bottled up? Why in the world, if, if we could all agree all those things I said were so bad, why did we, what compels us to just be fearful of letting other people know? Um, it, it's funny, the very first humans alive dealt with this. If you guys go, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Genesis chapter 3. This is the story of Adam and Eve, and, and it's a pretty famous story, even if you're not a Christian. You know, most people know who Adam and Eve are. But not too long after um, creation and God giving them uh, this uh, kind of rain in the garden, they, they committed a sin. And it's uh, in verse... Uh, this is uh, 3 verse 8, I believe. Um, let, me, let me find my place in my notes here. 3 8. And, and we read this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So you know the story. They sin. They, they do something they shouldn't. And immediately, what do they do? They go and hide. They hide in the bushes. God's not like God's got to be the ultimate hide and go seeker. He's, you know, he's we wouldn't let him play with us because he'd probably cheat. He'd just be on the X-ray vision and all that stuff. But they hide from him. You got Adam and Eve. They, they, the very first humans alive. No one's ever sinned before. They don't even know what the, the consequences are. They know that God said if they do, the consequences are death. So they have that over their heads. Very first first people to ever screw up. What do they do? They go and they hide. They keep. What they've done to themselves. They don't want to be exposed. And I'm thinking, how can this be? Like, what, what is the psychological thing that is going on with people that when something goes wrong, we're just so afraid to have other people see it? And it's this idea of shame. This idea of shame. And the definition, I love definitions, but this one really just plays it all out perfectly for why we conceal secrets in silence. We got it up there. Shame is the painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable. And I, and I underline painful feeling. It's, it's weird to kind of talk about shame as a, when you think of pain, you think of physical pain. But it's this painful feeling that we all have when we do something we know is wrong. And it's not just from doing the thing, but it arises from the consciousness. It's from when it's known, whether we acknowledge it or somebody else acknowledges it, when it's known by other people, it causes us pain. And I just thought that was so interesting. The very first humans to ever live were plagued by this idea of shame. This, this painful experience this disgrace if you will and instead of dealing with this pain we kind of get the idea that we can avoid it if, it, if we can figure out a way that it's not known maybe we can pro, you know, put off that pain maybe we can escape that pain and so what do we do? we cover it up we try to hide it away it's kind of our only option either we can deal with the pain or not deal with the pain well, we, how many people would want to deal with pain? Not, not one of us in here. And so we keep it in the dark. Keep it out of sight. We make sure that no one else knows what's going on. It's our way out. 
cover it all up and no one gets hurt. That's kind of the way we think. Cover it all up. If no one knows about it, then what's, what's the big deal? What's the big deal if nobody knows our secrets? And we're going to kind of look at two stories tonight to kind of open up and unpack this idea of shame and this idea of secrets. The first one is the story of King David. The second one is my personal story. Okay? And so if you have your Bibles, I want you guys to open up to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11. I think it's up on there. I'm going to kind of give you my paraphrase. It's two old chapters of this story. Uh, so you can follow along in there. Correct me if I get the paraphrase wrong. But how many people have heard of King David? Good. King David's a pretty famous guy. Killed Goliath, second king of Israel. Rose Israel to prominence and, and did a lot of cool, thing, cool things. He's a, he's a kind of a warrior king, conquering all these different places. And so we pick up the story in verse 11. And David wakes up one morning. He's in his palace, stretches, brushes his teeth, does his good stuff, pees on the toilet, wipes it off in the sock. No one's around. No big deal. And he walks out to the balcony of his palace, looking at his view, looking at his kingdom. What's he see? How many people know the story? You guys know the story, right? Zach, what's he see? That's right. You know the story. He sees a, he sees a naked woman bathing. Her name's Bathsheba. Not just any naked woman, a beautiful naked woman. So what started out as a regular day, not so regular anymore. Most people don't wake up to that. And he's like, whoa. Good looking lady over there. Kind of interesting. First, first mistake. Instead of kind of confessing and, and, and getting rid of that temptation, he, he kind of entertains the thoughts of what that might look like. And he goes and sends a messenger and gets this woman, this naked bather, to, to come into his house. Now, part of me says, come on, what are you doing on a rooftop bathing naked? I mean, you gotta put some of the blame on the girl. Maybe that's just the guy. I don't know. But that's just, as I'm reading the story, all the girls are like, uh uh. You know, he knew what he was doing. So, anyway, he, David invites this lady over. I'm sure he was just intending to have a nice conversation, but that's not what happened. Ends up getting Bathsheba pregnant. Problem? Yes. Big time problem. One, they're not married. It's not good. He's a king. Getting another woman pregnant is bad. Bad news. Bad news. So, Bathsheba's pregnant. To, to compound the problems, um, Bathsheba's married. She's got a husband. It's not good. What's he going to do? He's got the secret. He's got this woman pregnant. He fell into this temptation. What is he going to do? What's King David going to do? He, he, light bulb pops out. Okay. I got to hold this thing down low. I don't want to have this shame, disgrace. You know, my kingdom and disgrace who I am and disgrace God. And I don't want people to find out my secrets. So what I'm going to do is I'll have this guy, Bathsheba's husband. He's out fighting a war. I'll have him come in. And I'll just invite him to hang out with his wife for a little bit. You use your imagination. No, don't use your imagination. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want Uriah to lay with his wife as it says in the Bible. And his idea is, well, if he does that, then he'll pass off the baby's not his. It's not his anymore. Because what would happen if, you know, he comes home from war and, hey, wife, you're pregnant. Who did it? King David, that's not good. He'll be found out. And so his idea is, yeah, I'm going to cover up this secret. 
I'm going to have this guy come in, and, and it, it's, it's all going to plan, except for that Uriah is, is, is a, a, just this, he's like a superhero when it comes to just this uh, like extreme class and honor and warrior. I mean, he was, he was a well-known dude in, 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 the, in the army, and so he comes home and he says, you know what? How, you know, how dare myself, how dare I sleep with my wife when my whole, when all my men are out in the battlefield? If my men can't come home and enjoy some time with their wives, then I'm not going to. And James is like, dude, ah, do you see here? What is wrong with you? But, as honorable as he was, Uriah says, nope, not going to do it. He goes back off to war, and David's secret still isn't safe. Still not safe. Now what's he going to do? This is where it gets real bad. David's so just wanting to avoid that, that pain of his secret being known that he says, I have to take care of this. What is he going to do? If you know the end of the story, he contacts his generals and he says, you know what? I want you to put Uriah on the front line of the battlefield and I want you to make sure that he dies. Once you're in a fierce battle, it's getting pretty crazy. I want you to retreat. I want you to leave him out there and I want you to make sure this guy is taken care of. So not only is this guy a peeping Tom, not only is he a, an adulterer, now the guy, King David, is a murderer. And it's kind of compounded this story, and it gets a little crazy. And so it just goes to show you, you know, how secrets can fester and how it's not okay. Secrets don't just hurt yourself. And there's three things that I found when reading the story that I want to talk to you guys about, about what secrets do. So the first thing we realize when we talk about secrets is that secrets are never stagnant. They're never stagnant. What I mean by that is, secret doesn't just stay a small secret. Always, secrets grow. There's effort you have to do to keep that secret. If it's, if it's something you lied about, you get to lie to cover that up. It's kind of like a snowball. It's going to roll, and it's going to get bigger, and it's going to get bigger, and it's going to get bigger. And the farther you go down that line, the worse it is. The worse the shame, the worse the pain, the worse it all is. Because if you would have been like, hey, I was looking at a naked woman, then I would have been like, wow, you shouldn't have been doing that. But now, if you look at his story, his secret didn't just stay there. It got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. And all of a sudden, he went from that peeping town to a murder. And that's how this secret progressed. It's kind of like a toothpaste tube with a cap on. And you start to step on it, and it gets pressure, and pressure builds. And finally, you just stomp on it. And at the end, that secret can't contain itself. At the weakest point, it just blows up. <laughs> all over the place, and you just have this huge mess on your hands. Huge mess. So secrets don't stay stagnant. They never just sit and idle. They don't go away. That's a lie. The longer you wait to reveal a secret, the more pain you're going to have, and the worse it's going to be. Number two. Secrets cause emotional pain. No matter how hard you try to conceal this secret on the outside, to keep up appearances, to make the act, to make everything look like it's all okay, without a doubt, your insides are being destroyed. It's a mess. Instead of being a Christian, you're supposed to be walking around with joy and hope 
in love, your mind starts to become dominated by things like depression, anxiety, fear, insecurity, and heaviness. And David says it perfectly. David, David kind of wrote a psalm about this time in his life. And uh, if you have your Bibles, go to Psalm 32.3. David says this about, about his issues. He says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And I don't know if some of you guys can relate to this, but I'm going to share my story in just a second. And I can definitely relate to that. The effort it takes to conceal a secret and to make everything look like it's all okay will cost you so much emotionally and even physically. There's plenty of studies that show that people who hold secrets, it affects your health. And it's, it's not good. I mean, that's not a Christian study. That's a science study. It's not good to hold secrets within yourself. The next thing, number three, is that not all secrets cause death, like in King David's case, but all secrets cause loss. There's no such thing as sweeping a secret under the rug and going on like everything's okay. You will lose out. And you will lose out on, some, on things you never even understood you were losing. And I really didn't even get it until I started kind of studying on what I wanted to talk about today. So what do you mean by loss? What do you lose? And this is probably the most important thing that you lose when you keep a secret. Excuse me for just a second. When you keep a secret, and you keep that walled in, and you kind of hide from God and what's going on in your life, you lose, you lose the opportunity to experience God's grace. You lose the opportunity to experience God's mercy and God's love. We always kind of think that, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just better off to just kind of deal with this myself. I don't, want, I don't want the shame to fall upon me. But the truth is, the gospel is that that's why Jesus died. That's the point. So that you don't have to live with your... Jesus wants you to tell him your secret. He wants to know what you did. Not to, not to condemn you. Not to say, why did you do that? He simply wants to know, what did you do? What is it that you did? Come to me and your, my mercy and my love and my grace is for you. And when you keep that bottled up, you miss out on what God has for you. You miss out on the growth and freedom of going through that process. You miss out on learning from your mistakes. If, if, if you sit there and you bottle up your secret inside of you, you can't learn from it. You can't grow from that. You can't use your experience to become a more mature Christian. That area of your life stays there. It doesn't grow. And it gets worse and worse and worse. By holding your secret back, you lose out on your witness. I mean, you can't really witness to other people when you yourself are rotting on the inside. It doesn't work out too well. So I want to tell you my story a little bit. And... Uh, 
go ahead and let me share for a while too, but it's, it's, it's been a, a, been a while now. A couple of people in here know my, my story pretty well. A little embarrassing, a little very shameful. Uh, when I was, oh, I don't even know how old I was, but shortly uh, into my, uh, my second year of college, was, you know, I, th- I looked really young, but I'm actually eight years out of high school. It's been a while since I've been in there. I, uh, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life, and so I was going to college, I was taking classes, and kind of got fell into this, the, the sin of slothfulness, laziness. You know, I, I didn't really like going to class very much, and I didn't do so good in a couple classes, and couldn't drop that one, drop the class here and there, and and uh, that, you might say, well, I've heard lots of kids that drop out of school and lots of kids, you know, don't really figure out what they're doing in college. But it's a little bit different for me because I was a pretty smart kid in high school. Uh, I got uh, like a 28 on my ACT, which isn't like, I'm not saying like I'm a brainiac or anything. But I got pretty good grades. I wasn't like a four-point nerd, but I was like a three-point-nine nerd. Um, I was pretty smart. And so there were a lot of expectations on me as, as far as what I would do or what I would become. And I grew up with my mom or dad saying, uh, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something, something that the world would, would deem as uh, successful. And I'm not that, using that as an excuse, but that's kind of where the shame on my part came in. Uh, I was so afraid to, to tell anybody that I, did, I didn't. People would ask me, hey, how's school going? I'd, that's going, yeah, it's going good, you know, it's, this class is tough here and there, but I'm getting through it, and I'm going to graduate in you know, this many years, so I began to just lie about it, and a simple lie began to fester and began to grow, and as we look at that first lie up there, it's that secrets never stay stagnant, so my, my plan wasn't to, to, to hold this big secret, my plan was just to avoid the pain a little bit, avoid the shame just for now, so we keep everything in the dark, and I'll, think, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out, and I'll figure out a plan, and then I'll you know, let my parents know what happened. But as time went on, that snowball effect. So now I didn't just lie to my parents once, I lied a couple times, and now I told them I, got, you know, I was in certain classes that I wasn't even in, and now I got to the next semester, and I didn't register at all. And it's, you know, it's pretty embarrassing, but I was just stuck in this, what do I do now? What do I, what, I gotta figure this out because Man, my parents are going to kill me. I mean, that toothpaste tube is getting squeezed pretty tight. I can't tell. I felt like I couldn't tell, you know, anyone in church. They're going to think, man, you're an idiot. Man, you're, you're retarded. You're, you're, what are you doing? You have so much potential, and you're going to throw it all away uh, in a stupid lie. And I believed that it was better for me to, to stay in this lie, and that I would make it out at the other end. I would, I, would, I would make it out somehow. Somehow in there that it, it, maybe I would just become successful somehow doing something. I don't know what I thought. But I knew that I, I wanted to, to, to figure out my situation in any way but telling the truth and having that shame, that pain for feeling exposed. So it, 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 it steamrolled. It got bigger and bigger Bigger and bigger, and now it got so big. I'm like, what am I? You know, I. You could, it got to the point where I couldn't tell my parents what was going on. Second one is up there, and you go back to that list, Matt. You know, secrets cause emotional pain. I can't. I can't tell you how much going through those times where nobody knew 
what was going on. Nobody knew. I didn't tell anybody. Just the, the weight that that would, that would take. And I'm not, you know, a pretty downer guy. But, you know, just being depressed all the time about, you know, I would come and, I stopped, you know, in that time I was pretty involved in, in a leader in the church, and I, I wouldn't be around too much, because I hated coming to church. I hated coming to church when I knew, it was like, alright, let's see if we can deal with what's going on in my life right now, because that kind of dominated my, my thought process. And every time I sang a worship song, it was dealing with that. And it dominated everything in my thoughts and my emotions. And I began to get heavy. And I, I, I literally understood when I read Psalm 32, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was set as in the heart, uh, as in the heart of summer. I literally could identify with that because I, I had a secret inside myself and I wasn't willing to share it. And that's the way I felt emotionally and physically. The third one, secrets all cause loss. See, as I close tonight, I knew, I'm not, I was raised in church, I knew that there was a day of forgiveness. I knew what I had to do. I would sit in services and I would pray. At first I'd pray like, God, just forgive me and help me in my situation. And, and, and I'm sure God was ready there to forgive me. But what I was asking God to do is like hit some easy button that would just erase everybody's memory and, and rearrange everything of what happened. That wasn't, God wasn't going to do that. The truth of the matter is I had to kind of confess what was going on and I had to get it out in the open. I had to get it out in the clear. There wasn't a way for me to get freedom without experiencing the pain of the shame. I had to go through that. And so, if you're thinking of tracking with me and maybe you're, you, you have a thought of your secret in your head and you're listening to me and you're, you're thinking maybe there's a way you can get rid of it while keeping it secret, it's not, it's not the way it's going to be. But like I said, I knew that there was going to be a day that everything would burst open. And it did. Um, you know, I, I, I remember... Going up to my parents, and I was scared to death that day. Yeah, I knew it was coming for about a week. Like, I can't, just, you know, the secret's going to come open. I told, I told a couple of my buddies, we went up to Buffalo Wild Wings, I'm like, this is what I did. And they were like, dude, you are screwed. You are an idiot. Your dad is going to kill you. My one buddy's like, you can stay at my place tomorrow. Because, like, he knew... It was not gonna be good. And I remember I remember telling my parents what I had done. And I remember my mom like I thought my dad was gonna beat me. And I thought my mom would be like more of the consoler. But it was the other way around. I thought like my mom was gonna rip my head off. My dad was more in little disbelief, little shame on his part, um, kind of like the pride you have in your son. And I, I let him down. And uh, and so it, it was bad. It was bad. But at the same time. That was the worst day of my life. Absolutely worst day of my life when that toothpaste tube got burst open and the mess was all exposed. But at the same time, I mean, minus Mary and Judy, best day of my life. I will look back on that and I will say, and I knew it when I did it, in the tears, I said, this is the best day of my life. 
It, and I can look back and say, this is the best day of my life because now I can move forward. Now I can confess what I've done. Now I can seek kind of healing from the situation and I don't have to live with that weight on my shoulders anymore. Stupid, I literally went to the gym to see if I could jump higher. I am not kidding. I mean, I, 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 Julie's asked me like, wow, weirdo. You know? Trying to be open and honest, but I, that's literally how I felt. You know, and there was a lot to work through, and there was a lot going on. And I, I'll share a little bit about my, uh, you know, my testimony in the next couple weeks. But tonight, you know, as, as you look back to Adam and Eve, they went and hid. But I want to I close with this. A couple verses later, God came searching. God came running after them. Adam, where are you? Where have you gone? What have you done? King David, dude, that dude screwed up bad. <laughs> Real bad. He wasted away holding his secret inside. Not too, not too long after that song, very next verse, after he talks about wasting away, he confesses his, his secret to God. And God restores him. He heals him. Not, th not through suffering consequences. He's suffering huge consequences. But tonight, as we go through this series, I want to focus on you guys. I want you guys to understand that no one in this room is perfect. I mean, I, I, sat, I, I sat where you are so many times with that secret in me, thinking, what, how do I, who do I tell? If I tell John, he's going to kick me off the leadership team. He's going to say, you're an idiot. You lied to me. And I never forget sitting in his office. And I looked at him and I told him, Tears streaming down my face. He just looked at me and said, I understand. And I thought, what? What do you mean you understand? Did you hear what I just told you? I was a complete idiot. I screwed up everything. I let this secret fester in me so bad that it was something so stupid and small at first, but after a year's worth of time, it was so big. How could you understand? But that's that thing I was talking about. You, you miss out on this, this grace, this mercy. This love that is waiting for you. So tonight, I, I, I don't want to do anything too crazy. Uh, we're going to close in just a minute. Th this is a whole three-week series we're going to do. And this is just the, the tip of it. This is just diving into this idea of secrets. Tonight is just having you understand the power of a secret and how a little secret can destroy you. And uh, what I want to do tonight... Is if, uh, can we get a piano player to do the soft piano thing that they do at the end of services? Can we do that? I don't know. Is Alana still here? Well, on, that'd be great. I appreciate that. You guys know what I'm talking about, the soft piano thing at the end of services? What I want to do tonight is just be open and honest with you. My prayer has been that I don't want these kids, these students, to, to make the same mistake that I did. And I'm not saying that you have to broadcast your secret. What I'm actually, only the only thing I want you to do tonight, you got a card in front of you. I want you to anonymously write down your secret. And there's a bucket up there, and I want to give you guys a few minutes. Don't look around, don't ask what... You know, and the reason I want you to do it anonymously 
So don't want you to sugarcoat it. Like, ah, you know, I struggled with this a little bit here and there, but it's really not that bad. Let's go, go all out. Go all out, be honest. There is a, this is a step towards, towards healing. There's a, there's a pretty famous website called postsecret.com. This guy did this study. He, he, he wrote letters all over the country, and he left them at, like, Starbucks tables in different places. And he says, you know what? Anonymously, tell me your secrets. Guy waited a while. I forget his name. You can go on the website and postsecret.com. He waited a while. And a couple hundreds of those first thousand cards came in, and people anonymously told their secrets. And people told him, you know what? Even though you don't know who I am, even though no one really knows, I, I'm starting to feel like I can, I can deal with this. Instead of keeping it in the realm of theory, like, yeah, this is something I deal with, but nobody really knows, when you write it down on paper, it moves it in a, from the realm of theory to the realm of reality. Like, this is who I am. I am a sinner, and I need God's grace in my life. And so tonight, I'm not going to ask you to broadcast your secret to everyone. And, and we're going to talk about even how to do that. That's not something you're supposed to do. It's just tell every other person the depths of your heart. You know, we're going to talk about confession in the next couple of weeks. What that looks like. How to do it correctly. How to confess to God. How to confess to people. How to find healing. But tonight, all I want you to do is take a baby step. And I don't want you to write like, I stole a pack of gum. Like what, in the depths of your heart, the thing that nobody knows, that if they knew about you, they'd be like, whoa, I didn't know that. I made a promise to myself when I sat in John's office, and he looked at me and said, I understand that I would never, ever, ever judge someone. And anytime I heard someone to talk about their secret, I would, I would look them in the eye and I would say, I understand. Because the truth is, none of us are perfect. None of us have achieved this level of, of, of holiness that we all expect out of each other. Now, I'm not saying there's, you know, this is an excuse to, 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 to just, you know, license to sin. What I'm saying is that I get that there is a pressure. I get that there is a shame that goes along with some of the things you guys deal with. And I want you guys, I want to focus on you guys tonight. I want to focus on you guys. I don't want you to sit in this chair week after week after week and deal with something when, when there's healing. When I can tell you, I will never ever look at you and say, what? No. That's not God's grace. That's not God's love. So before I just keep rambling on about these secrets. I want you guys to take time. You can spread out. I want you to truly write down your secret. And, and I was kind of nervous going into this. I said, yeah, I don't know if anyone will write down anything. And what else I'm going to do with these, I'm going to take it back to my office. I'm going to look through them just to see where you guys are at. I'm not going to, I don't want, don't write your name on it. It's completely anonymous. And uh, if you want to write out in there, don't share this, that's fine. But I'd like to, next week, I would like to share some of them with you just so that we're honest before each other. No one's going to know who it is, but I want us to understand that if we're truly going to be a community of faith and do big things for God, we can't, we can't do Psalm 23 and waste away 
hiding ourselves away. That's not what the church is all about. That's not what Jesus is all about. That's not what this youth group is going to be all about. And so I'm, I'm done. I'm going to pray for you guys. And then what's going to happen is if you guys want to write down your secret, don't look. Dump it in that basket. Flip it over, fold it up. And then if you guys are done, if you want to just hang out on the other side, if people just want to kind of talk about what they're writing down, that's fine. As soon as you 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 know you write something down, you jump in there, you are dismissed. And uh, I will see you this Friday night. But I'm going to pray for you guys before before I close. God, I know tonight um, is heavy. I know uh, tonight is serious. God, I know that there are students and even adults wrestling with themselves of, do I ignore this and go on like I have week after week before, or is this going to be a night I take a step forward to what you have for me, a step forward in healing? God, I pray against the spirit of condemnation. God, you are a God of grace and of mercy and of love. And there's nothing that we can do to separate us from that. There's nothing so perverse. There's nothing so heinous. God, if, we're all, if, we, if we could all watch a video of our lives, we, we would all look at each other and, and, and just squirm, I'm sure. God, so I pray for honesty tonight. God, that we would, um, we would be honest not just with the pastor, not just with the car. We'd be honest with you. God, the fear of man wouldn't take root in our lives. That we wouldn't be worried. We wouldn't be worried about that painful feeling of our secrets being known. But we take a step forward. Just to anonymously write down what's going on. God, I ask for courage, boldness, and strength. Amen.